This is the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast. Each episode, we ask a single question. Then we look to experts and listeners like you for the answers. This episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. I'm Noah Michelson. And I'm Karina Kalatni. This week's question is, what is smell dating? And does it actually work? Karina, my lovely co-host, is out this week. But fear not, to fill the void, our producer, Caitlin Baguki, is joining me on an adventure in smell dating. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Noah. It's great to be here. So you might be wondering what exactly is smell dating? Basically, I've agreed to take part in an experiment of sorts where I could potentially meet my true love based on his scent. And his scent alone. We recently found out about smell dating from one of our listeners, Adam Simon. He wrote us in the midst of his own smell dating experience and recommended that we investigate. So I invited him into the studio to talk with Noah about it. My first thought was, why has nobody done this before? (laughs) It seemed like such an obvious thing that, um, you know, I was thinking back to back in the day before OkCupid got bought by by Match and and, uh, IAC. They did all kinds of crazy experiments trying to match people. And it seemed exactly like the kinds of things that the OkCupid people would have done back in the day. So let's take a moment to explain the smell dating process. Fill me in. All right. So first, smell dating sends you a plain white t-shirt. I know you don't have enough of those. Never wear them. (laughs) You wear the shirt for three days and three nights without deodorant. And I'm going to recommend that you avoid cologne um, and scented lotions, too. Okay. After you've worn the shirt for three days, you return it to smell dating HQ. And then a few days later... Smell Dating sends you t-shirt swatches worn by a selection of individuals. You smell each sample and decide which ones you like. If someone whose smell you like likes the smell of you too, Smell Dating will facilitate an exchange of contact information. Ah, then the magic really begins. Yeah, and then it's up to you. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. It's gross. I don't love the idea of uh, smelling other people's t-shirts, but I get it. Yeah, gross but interesting. Let's hear what Adam's experience was like. Tell me a bit about what happened after you got the package of shirts. Uh, I was trying to be very methodical about it, and I, like, lined all of the— They send them—they basically cut little strips out of the shirts, um, and they send them to you in little, like, dime bags um, with numbers on them. And uh, I lined them all up, and I, like, had a notepad so I can write things down. Um, And then I even—I got a little— cup of coffee beans because I know that like resets your scent and I didn't know if that was like they don't tell you to do that I was just me being crazy um, but, <laughs> uh, and I went through and I was trying to be very thoughtful about each of them and like the first one I opened didn't really smell like anything and then I was like oh is this going to be very boring after all of this uh, build up and waiting for my package um, but uh, the second one did so that definitely was you know kept me going um, and yeah I went through all of them I had uh, I think I was just looking at this again. I think I had something like two yeses and 
two or three no's and then four maybes. And the maybes were all just things that it just didn't smell like anything. It smelled like cotton. I was like, well, it's not offensive. Um, but uh, What did the ones that were yeses or no's smell like to you? Yeah, um, they make a big deal about not screening for gender or sexuality, which I'm gay. And the no's were all very clearly feminine scents. Um, and... To me, like women tend to smell a lot like soap and like cleaner things and men tend to smell more like sweat. So I was like even though like I wasn't even trying to but like subconsciously I started gendering all of the smells and like selecting for what I might be interested in. And do they tell you then if you were right or, you know, even if you say no or they're like, okay, you said no to a 26-year-old – Cis female or, you know. Yeah, no, they don't tell you anything. And actually, I I hope that maybe once everybody is through and processed in the system that they reveal some statistics about it, at least sort of globally. But I would just love to know who all those people were. And, but yeah, they, they really only tell you any information if you match with somebody. And I, I matched one yes, which was, um, a straight guy who had a wife or a girlfriend, and they actually both did it, um, and they matched with each other, and then I was the only other person that he matched with, um, which was interesting. Um, and we were, we had emailed back and forth a little bit. We were going to try to meet just to see, but then he sort of stopped emailing, so I guess they thought decided that was a little weird. I, I did match with, I think one of my maybes was a woman, um, and I emailed her and never heard back, so... As much as Adam's experience bums me out, I'm still hopeful about smell dating. And I'm so excited that you agreed to try it. Well, I mean, you know me. I'm kind of up for anything. I've done, um, we did that episode where I did the 36 questions to find true love with a stranger. That didn't really work out. No. I've done other things. And so this just intrigued me. The other ways I'm looking for dates, you know, online or on the rare occasion that I go out, it's not working for me. I'm not meeting people. So if something kind of crazy like this might lead me to even a halfway decent date, why not do it? I like that attitude. And of course, we documented your experience over the three days. Let's listen to it. Noah's Smell Diary, day one. I don't smell yet. It's been a day. But as of right now, I'm not, there isn't like a green fog following me around yet. I might be cheating a little bit because I'm wearing a sweatshirt that probably had some kind of cologne on it, but. No, no, the white shirt's very important to this experiment. And I feel like the sweatshirt's helping to seal in the body odors. The juices. Yes. I'm like a chicken in the oven and everything is just, you know, in one of those cooking bags. Yeah. Have you gotten any comments yet? No, I haven't. I want to go on record and say I don't love this. Noah's Smell Diary, day two. So it's day two. We do have a skeptic in the room. Can you describe what happened today? I was setting up for our session, placing the mic in front of Noah. That's Nick Offenberg. He records and edits this podcast. I was a little impressed, like two days in, and I smelled a very sweet smell. Definitely clean, you know. I suspected there was deodorant involved. Something masking the natural odor. I've not worn deodorant in two days. And I'm a pretty sweet person, so perhaps he's just smelling my natural pheromones, which probably are sweet because I'm such a sweet guy. That's not a scientific hypothesis. That's just 
me going on my gut. On day three, we took a trip to NYU ITP to meet with the founders of Smell Dating. Uh, how does it feel now that the t-shirt's off? Really good. I hated it. I, this was not a fun experience for me. Have you heard from the participants that have been doing this? Is this experience similar? One thing that's actually really funny is that I've been getting a lot of people telling me that the shirt doesn't smell bad after three days. That's Sam Levine, one of the co-founders of Smell Dating. Like, I don't think it's working. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's working and you just can't smell yourself, you know, or like you're not really paying attention to what it actually smells like. Coming up on the HuffPost Love and Sex podcast, I'll try to find out if Noah is one of those people who doesn't think they smell, but actually really smells. We'll also hear more from the founders of Smell Dating and a pheromone expert. But first, have you found Love and Sex on iTunes? iTunes is one of the best places for people to discover our podcast. So please, take a moment to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. That way we can find out what you think. Each time we get a new reviewer rating, our podcast climbs the rankings which helps other people discover our show. And if you've already found us on iTunes, tell a friend to give us a review too. On the next episode, Noah and Karina are joining forces with an expert to answer all of your love and sex questions. So send us an email or a voice memo with something you'd like to know. Our email is loveandsexpodcast at huffingtonpost.com. You can also find us on Twitter at HuffPostPodcast. Now we're going to hear from Smell Dating creators Tiga Brain, which is the best name ever, and Sam Levine. Tiga is an artist, a researcher, and an educator. Sam is the co-founder of a magazine called The Useless Press, a programmer, and a research fellow at NYU's ITP, which is where we met up with them. We started by asking Tiga to explain the inspiration behind Smell Dating. So a number of years ago, um, I got very interested in environmental data visualization and, you know, if we could use um, visualization techniques to make data more meaningful or provocative or interesting or um, elicit a response via the way it's presented. And I started looking at sort of non-visual ways that we might think about information and non-visual ways that information might be conveyed and did a number of projects looking at smell and if that's a possibility. Um, so making, you know, weird electricity meters that, you know, send out a smell if, you know, power use goes up in a building in a certain moment. Um, and so worked with a few perfumers doing that and started thinking about how smell is a rich source of information, but we just never think about it like that. We don't really value it. Um, we deodorize the world and our bodies and the city and, you know, if there's a smell around generally, it's considered negative. So I've run a few workshops where I get participants to, like, smell each other and think about that as an information source and I guess through doing that started thinking about whether it could be something that could structure a dating service. And it was a much richer and more interesting experience than I had first realised because we don't often have to make decisions based on smell. Like, when do you have to do that? Do you feel like you're providing a service for people? Well, yeah. So I think that, like, you know, the, the experience of wearing the T-shirt for three days is interesting. I think it's, like, pretty interesting. 
but the actual experience of smelling other people's like dirty shirts, you know, or worn, I mean, they're not dirty, you know, like they're smelly shirts. It's like, it's like really intimate and strange and like, um, just something that probably people have never had any experience with before. You know, they've never done it before. After you get the shirts, you go to a website, you rank your preferences. You rank, you just, the question is, do you want to meet the person? And you can either elect yes, no, or maybe. And so if there's two yeses, we match them up. And if there's a yes and maybe, we match them up. Okay. And so when, like, what sort of bio then do you give on the person? Do you just give them their email address and name? That's it? First name. Just the email address and first name, yes. Okay. And so also we should add that we're not, we don't take any information about the participants. So it's like we don't take gender, we're like not tracking gender or sexual orientation or anything. So really it's just, it's like you're smelling a bunch of people like that you might not want to go on a date with usually, you know? Yeah, so the listener that I mentioned who wrote in, he is a gay man and he matched with a straight man, so they're not going to meet up. (laughs) <laughs> but what if they just they, couldn't they just be friends <laughs> so do you think that like maybe if you're into someone's smell like maybe you're just gonna be good friends well I just think it would be a great way to make decisions about friendship like oh my god you smell so good let's like just be buddies you know like I think I just think that's like a really fascinating idea I guess just because it's called smell dating maybe then people are like we shouldn't meet up we shouldn't meet up um, have you thought did you think about calling it something beyond dating just like a sort of like matching service yeah we had hundreds of names <laughs> as options um a lot of them were really bad puns like indecent proposal sense and sensibility cupid was my particular favorite what sort of connections have happened? Do you know of any? Did you, either of you, meet up with the people that you matched with? Um, I'm emailing a few people who I matched up with, but we haven't got around to meeting up yet. Um, what sorts of people did you match up with? All guys. So my nose is pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, like, obviously the project takes a bit of time and that stage is sort of happening now. Yeah. And uh, what about you? No, I haven't, like, emailed anybody yet to go on dates with, but I probably will soon. I don't know. It's, like, I'm, like, weirdly nervous about it. Why? I don't know. It just, I just, like, it's, but that's part of the experience that I like, where I feel more nervous to, like, email someone that I've, that I've matched with on, the, on this service than I would be if I, like, matched with them on Tinder or something. Like, it's, like, more, I think it's because it's so, it already is so intimate that it feels, like, a little scarier. Absolutely, yeah. Like, it's really interesting. I got a few emails saying, so I thought you smelled good. (laughs) And I was like, oh, what? Like, it was very strange. (laughs) And definitely, like, crossed some cultural line of intimacy that I wasn't expecting. (laughs) Do you think that there's anything that this has taught you about relationships or forming a relationship? Any sort of findings or inside advice that you could share? I think that part of the excitement is also associated with a sense of relief that you're saved from the typical amount of analysis that you have to do on usual dating websites. 
where you can just like smell it and you're like either like yes or no and you don't have to think about, you know, all of the other things that we assess. So, Tiga and Sam make it pretty clear that they're still in the experimental phase of this project. There are a lot of logistics to work out and I think it's funny that people think this is actually a startup, partly because of all the media attention that they've gotten. Right. I think it's important to note that we spoke to them right after the first round of shirts had gone out, so it was still fairly early in the process. But after I spoke with them, smell dating definitely seemed more like an art project or something fun and less like a service. Mm -hmm. But it's still appealing to me. Um, And I'm curious, what do you think of removing the physical aspects of the dating selection process? Does that seem exciting or just like a bad idea? I think it seems like a bad idea just in terms of actually servicing people and giving them what they want. Because realistically, I'm never going to want to date a woman. And realistically, I'm not going to probably have a great time with a straight guy. So when you start to remove all of that, I think it's interesting when you try and get it down to the very basics of what are people on a primal level attracted to. That's interesting as just a science fair project or an art project. But in in terms of actually providing a practical service where people might actually find a date doesn't bode so well for that. Right. I mean, what do you think if they grouped you by orientation? Would you be more interested? I think I'd be a lot more interested. Well, maybe your nose will know. Thankfully, when your shirt swatches arrived, we were able to document your reactions during our smell party. And what a party it was. Okay. I'm ready. I was born to smell. So now we have some instructions. Oh, and here's all the t-shirts. So the t-shirts are, as Adam said, they're in little dime bags. So you can imagine, you know, if your drug dealer was delivering t-shirt samples instead of marijuana. So they're numerically labeled. They start at 30, they go up to 117, and then the 11 fall in between there. So we're going to start with number 30. I smell nothing. This is this is number 30. Oh no, this one smells. Maybe a little bit like like a shoe store. But like human shoe store. You know what I mean? Are you getting notes of leather? No. <laughs> no. Maybe I'm getting notes of feet. Moving on to 47, which just from looks does look kind of dingy as well. You know what this reminds me of? Like, almost like Cracker Barrel. Like, I'm, like, like in Grandma's Kitchen. It's a little smoky. I kind of am into it. Is this a yes? 47's a yes. I'm into 47. 69. Oh, I don't think I like 69. 69 smells really B.O.E. to me. I really like 72. 72 is very clean. Almost maybe like it's soap, so maybe I'm not getting a good pheromone um, understanding of this person, but they smell very clean. I like it. 72, I'm, I'm thinking about it more. I'm like, oh, that smells like soup, soap, I like cleanness, whatever. But with, with 47, it was much more sort of gut. Mm, yeah, I don't think I like 82. It's not bad. My first thought, though, is like there's something a little dirty here. 116. Oh, this is delicious. 
If this is a person, this is my dream. At the end of the party, I had two smells that I liked, four smells that I didn't like, and five maybes. So while you were smelling the shirts and selecting your favorites, I kept thinking of two words that we have heard a lot throughout the making of this podcast, intimacy and pheromones. Right. I'm not sure that I would say the process itself was super intimate, the actual smelling of the shirts, although I guess psychologically it was because I'm supposedly smelling these scraps of fabric that have been worn for three days without deodorant or cologne. And how often do you really encounter that with another person, especially someone you don't know? So for that to be the first sort of interaction you have with a stranger, I guess that is intimate. But the actual act of sitting down and doing it, it just feels kind of weird. You didn't feel like you were sharing this special moment with the person whose shirt you were smelling? No. If anything, it did feel a little bit creepy, I guess. Okay, that's fair. What about pheromones? Do you think those played a role? Do you even know what they are? Um, I <laughs> I do vaguely. Uh, I feel like I'm being called out. No, I don't know exactly what they are. The concept of pheromone was defined over 50 years ago. It basically is a compound that is released by one member of a species and has effects on another member of the same species. That's Dr. Charles Waisaki. He's emeritus member of the Monell Chemical Census Center in Philadelphia. The center is devoted to the research of taste, smell, chemical communication, and chemical irritation. It was first demonstrated in the Bombix moth. A substance was identified, it was labeled Bombicol. It, it's released by the female moth and wafts downwind. And if a male moth happens to detect the presence of Bombicol, it begins upwind flight in search of the source of the bombacol. It acts as a sex attractant released by the female, and the male is attracted to the female by that particular compound bombacol. This particular kind of pheromone is called a releaser pheromone because it releases a very specific response, in this instance, the upwind flight. In certain studies, Pheromones have been found to trigger actions in humans, like newborns, and the action to breastfeed. But there's no proof of pheromones playing a part in mating. So wait, if it's not pheromones, then why am I attracted to the way certain people or t-shirt samples smell? It could be that you like their odor print. What is the difference between an odor print and a pheromone? When we talk about a human odor print, we're talking about hundreds of compounds, possible compounds, that contribute to that odor print. And some people have therefore argued that this odor print is a special category of smell. Uh, It's outside the definition, the original definition of pheromone. Having said that, it does seem to be playing a role, uh, at least in terms of how people Uh, would socialize with each other based, for example, just on sniffing a t-shirt that was worn by that individual. So in regard to the smell dating project, what information do you think the participants are getting from smelling the shirts? Well, that's a good question. Uh, (laughs) We know from experiments stretching back well over 30 years that when given particular 
T-shirts from individuals who have donated their body odor and from doing the genotyping at what's called the major histocompatibility complex or MHC set of genes that regulate the immune system, that individuals uh, most likely will choose uh, the t-shirt from another individual who is optimally different from themselves with respect to the genes at the MHC. I say optimally um, because some people have made the argument that they are looking for maximal differences between the, the genes from the donor and the genes of the sniffer. But it's not um, the, it's most likely not an uh, uh, maxima, maximizing the differences. It's an optimal difference. Now, there was a group in Scandinavia that published on, on what is an optimal difference. Oh, they, they didn't measure the MHC genes. Uh, they did find out that individuals tend to have productive um, uh, marriages with individuals who are about their fifth cousin removed. Anything less than that and anything more than that, fecundity is reduced. So that suggests that this may, in fact, have its basis in genetic differences in the MHC. Okay, what was that word, fecundity? Yes. Can you explain what that means? Uh, uh, fecundity is the likelihood that your offspring will, in fact, be successful at having offspring and raising those offspring. Is it feasible to suggest that if I'm smelling the shirt, I could pick up on someone's physical characteristics? For instance, if I'm short and it would be optimal to match with someone who is taller, could I pick that up? I don't know the answer to that. Um, they, they basically are looking f at pleasantness issues, um, the likelihood that an individual would socialize with a person who smelled that way. Um, so those are the kinds of questions that they ask in the lab. The study that Dr. Waisaki mentioned only applies to female sniffers. Sorry, Noah. You know what? I'm kind of okay with that. I don't really need fertility in my life. Okay, that's fair. But what are your thoughts overall? Do you think that smell dating works? You know, on a technical level, I don't. I think that it's really difficult to match two people just based on something as um, particular and specific as smell. And in my case, you know, I the two people that I like the most, we weren't a match. One of the maybes I got in touch with, and when I did, he said that he didn't want his love life to be in the quote-unquote limelight once I told him that I was doing this for a podcast. So there wasn't a match for me, and I'm not that shocked by that. So I'm curious— when you didn't hear back from the two people that you were excited about and that you matched with, were you bummed? I was a little hurt. I was like, what's wrong with the way I smell? Yeah, I took it personally. How is it different than if you've messaged someone? I mean, I don't know if this has happened to you, but how does this differ from messaging someone on an app and not hearing back? You know, when you're on an app, you have so many more factors that are visible. So if you get rejected, it is sort of based on a fuller picture. Here, you know, while I say I was a little bit hurt by it, like, at the, in, in reality, they knew nothing about me. 
maybe my samples didn't even really smell. Maybe I was one of the ones like other people that we smelled where it was like, this smells like fabric. This smells like a, a plastic bag. So, you know, I think that it's it's a little bit less of a rejection than it would be is if I'd given them my photo and I told them the things I like to do and then they were like, nope. That makes sense to me. One thing I keep thinking about is something that Tiga said during our interview. It's been a bit surprising for us the sort of appetite for the next new startup in the dating world. And that's how it's been reported, even though in a lot of the interviews we've done, we talk about all of the funny or experimental things that we're deliberately put in it, which don't make it work as a startup particularly well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's been an exploration of that sort of mode of business and how how hungry the world is for these, you know, quick... Um, new solutions to human problems, right? <laughs> and as you can see, that I don't know. I think I think we we all really subscribe to this hope that there's some sort of fix to our romantic problems or to problems of finding love. I do think people are interested in a quick fix to solving romantic problems. But what I think makes smell dating especially appealing, beyond just the thought of primal instincts kicking in and helping participants choose a mate, I think smell dating would just make for a great origin story. It's a lot more interesting than meeting on an app. Exactly. If you could tell your grandkids, we met smell dating. That's an awesome story. But I think you're right, too. I think that a lot of people are really desperate to find a way to meet someone and to have it be foolproof you know, and take out all the guesswork. And I think that at first glance, smell dating does that because it says like, here's a silver bullet. We're going to remove all these other distractions and we're just going to match you based on this biological sort of primal thing. Do you like the way that someone else smells? Do they like you? You know, you imagine dogs sniffing each other almost, you know, before they mate. Um, But we both know in reality, that's not how it works. There are so many other factors, you know, someone's personality, what they're interested in, um, their habits, what they see their future being. Do they want kids? Do they not want kids? All these things make up a relationship. And so while I think it's really sort of romantic or exciting to think that smell dating could create this, you know, perfect match, I think in the real world it's it's not going to really happen. But we'll still keep looking for silver bullets, right? I mean, I'm not going to quit. As long as I've got a podcast and a beating heart and a functioning penis, I will be out there. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast. Thanks to our guests, Adam Simon, Tika Brain, Sam Levine, and Dr. Charles Waisaki. Thanks to my producer and temporary co-host, Caitlin Bukuki, and our editor, Nick Offenberg. When you get a chance, please subscribe to Love and Sex on iTunes and reach out if you have a story idea for us. Our email is loveandsexpodcast at huffingtonpost.com. We'll be back with a new episode in just two weeks. Talk to you then.